Okay, we're starting here with the Mishnah on the top of Kuflam and Zayin and The Mishnah says, Mishayalo Shnei Tinokot Echadamul Achar Shabbat Echadamul Bishabbat. There's two children that have to get a Milah. One of them is supposed to get the Milah on Shabbat itself. One of them is supposed to get the Milah on Sunday. Shachach Umal Echel Achar Shabbat Bishabbat. And by accident, he goes ahead and gives the Milah to the one who was supposed to get it on Sunday. He gives it to him on Shabbat. Then Chayav Echadamul Be'er Shabbat. One of them is supposed to get the Milah on Erev Shabbat on Friday. And one's supposed to get it on Shabbat itself. And he makes a mistake. Gives the Brit Milah to the one on Friday on Shabbat. Rabbi Eliezer says you still Chayev Chatat in this case. Rabbi Yeshua is Poter. The issue here is that whether you're being Osek B'mitzvah or not. In the first instance where you have it on Shabbat and Sunday, when you move up, the individual was supposed to get the meal on Sunday to Shabbat, then you haven't done any mitzvah. So you can't say that the person was tarud b'mitzvah, which might be a tour. On the other hand, in the latter case, where the mistake was made with the Friday baby, and they're giving the Brit Milah on Shabbat, even though it's not his day, it's not Yom HaShmini, but he is now Chayav in Milah, and he does need a Milah, and therefore when you do it on the ninth day, it is still tarud b'mitzvah, and that's what Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer are arguing about. Rabbi Huna matnei chayav, Rabbi Huda matnei patur. Huna explains the case as being chayav, everybody agrees chayav. Rabbi Huda says everybody agrees patur, now the Gemara will lay out what they mean. Rabbi Huna matnei chayav, Tatanya, we have a brighter. Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, Lo nechluku Rabbi Eliezer v'Rabbi Yoshua, Amisha yudo bet tinokot. They don't argue in this situation, we have two children. Echad amul b'shabbat, v'echad amul achar shabbat was supposed to get the Brit Milah on Shabbat itself. One is supposed to get it on Sunday. Vishachach umal etchel achar Shabbat bishabbat. Made a mistake and he brought the one on Sunday and did it on Shabbat instead. Shu chayav. There everybody agrees you're chayav, similar to our Mishnah. Ama nechluku. Where is their machloket? Amishayelo bet tinokot. Echad tinokot. Echad amul be'er Shabbat. One to do on Friday. Echad amul bishabbat. And then one to do on Shabbat itself. Vishachach umal etchel ever Shabbat bishabbat. He makes a mistake. And he brings the one from Erev Shabbat and does it on Shabbat. Over there, Shrabi Eliezer, Michayev Chatat. Well, says you're Chayev Chatat. Rabbi Yeshua says that you are Patur. Ushneem lolam meovadat kochavim. They both learn it out from the paradigm of Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah is the paradigmatic Chatat, which is brought in Pashat Shalach Lecha. Pashat Shlach, when it talks about the Chataot, over there it mentions separately the Chatat of Avodah Zarah. But that gives us a model for other Chataot. V'leezer Savar, Kovodat Chochavim. Ma, Avodat Chochavim, Amar Rachmana, Lotavid. The Torah says, don't worship Avodah Zarah. V'chiyavid, Michayev. And if you do that, then you're Chayev. Hachanami, Loshna, also over here. Doesn't matter why you did it. Doesn't matter how you did it. You just did what the Torah told you not to do, which is, don't violate the Shabbat. And you did violate the Shabbat. You gave a Mila to a child that wasn't supposed to get the Milan on Shabbat. And therefore, you are chayav, you are held culpable in that case. Now Rabbi Yehuda, matni patur. Yehuda, on the other hand, says patur, detanya. I'm Rabbi Meir. Lo nechluku Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, mishayulo bet tinokot. Echadamu be'er Shabbat, vechadamu b'Shabbat. Shachach umalet shalev Shabbat b'Shabbat. A case where you have two children, one that was supposed to get the bread on Friday, one on Shabbat. He ends up giving the one on Erev Shabbat, the Friday baby, on Shabbat. Shu patur. Everybody agrees in that case, but toward not like our Mishnah. Where do they argue on? One on Sunday, one on Shabbat. And he forgot. And he did the one that was supposed to be on Sunday, moved it up earlier, and did it on Shabbat. 
Versus a Shabbat and a Sunday baby. By a Shabbat and Sunday baby, obviously there's more room to be machmir. So the way our Mishnah has it laid out and the way the Rav Huna lays it out is in that instance, everybody agrees that you're chayav. That's the way Rav Huna lays it out. That instance, everybody agrees you're chayav. The question arises with the Friday baby and the Shabbat baby because both of them, it's a mitzvah to do a milah on that day. Might be that it's not the right day. You're not supposed to be docha Shabbat. But at least there's a mitzvah involved in both children. One child to have his milah done on Shabbat itself. The other one that should have been done Friday. So yes, it's not supposed to be done on Shabbat because it's Shlobizmana now. But still, there is a mitzvah involved. So over there, Rav Huna and our Mishnah both say that that's a machloket Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua. On the other hand, the way Rabbi Yehuda sets it up, Rabbi Yehuda says it's a given that if you have the baby from Friday and the baby from Shabbat, that's your patur. Everybody agrees in that case. Again, that case is the more likely case to be mekil. Where he says, everybody says, that's fine, I'm fine, but you're patur from a chatat. Whereas, the Sunday and Shabbat case is where they argue, Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yoshua. So the basic agreement is about the difference between the two scenarios. Everybody agrees, Friday, Shabbat is more room to be mekil, much more than Shabbat, Sunday. So it's the question of how you frame that. Rav Huna frames it that, that means that Sunday, everybody agrees, you're chayav, machloket about Friday. And Rabbi Yudah says, no, everybody agrees that Friday is patur. And just the question is, Machloket between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi is regarding Sunday. Tani Rabbi Chia. We have a brayta that's brought from Rabbi Chia. Omer Rabbi Meir. Lo nechluku Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, Mishayulo Betinokot. They don't argue in this case. Echad amu be'er Shabbat. Bechad amu be'Shabbat. One on Friday, one on Shabbat. Mishachach. And then he made a mistake. Omalach shall ever Shabbat v'Shabbat. And he took the baby that was supposed to get his milah on Friday and does it on Shabbat. Shu chayav. Over here he is chayav. Aman echlegu. What do they argue about? Amishayilu beit tinokot. Two children. Echad amulachar Shabbat. One on Sunday. Echad amul v'Shabbat. And one on Shabbat itself. V'shachach. Omalach shalachar Shabbat v'Shabbat. And he took the one from Sunday and he did that brit on Shabbat itself. Shrebi Eliezer mechayev chatat. Rebbe Yeshua poter. Now clear that this brighter breaks the mold that we just saw before. Until now, everyone has made the clear assumption that the Sunday baby is in a worse position than the Friday baby. There's more room to be made with the Friday baby than there is with the Sunday baby. This bright that the Rabbi Chia brings is just the opposite. Here it says that, oh, if it's the Friday baby, everybody agrees you're chayav. The machloget is about the Sunday baby, which seems counterintuitive, and that's what the Gemara asks right away. Hashto, Rabbi Yeshua, Seifa Deloka Ovid Mitzvah, in the latter case, where you don't do a mitzvah, because the baby was supposed to get his meal on Sunday, doing on Shabbat has no bearing, has no impact. There he says, poter, he says, no chatat, reisha, the kovid mitzvah, mechayev. How could it be in the reisha, where he takes the Friday baby and does on Shabbat, and he is doing a mitzvah, and there he's going to say, you're chayav? Again, it seems to be counterintuitive. Amrei debei rabianai, reisha, kigon, shikadam, umalad shel Shabbat, be'erev Shabbat. So this is, Fred, your question. But the Brayta basically sets it up this way, which is a case. You had a case where the babies were Friday and Shabbat. What you ended up doing was it's completely mixing the babies up, and you did the Shabbat baby on Friday. And then, the lo nit Shabbat lidachot. Now when you come to Shabbat, there's no reason to be doche Shabbat. Why? The one who was supposed to be on Shabbat is already done on Friday. Mistakenly so. 
But the one that was on Friday, now that you're going to do on Shabbat, what mistake are you making? You're making a mistake between you should have been on Friday, you're doing on Shabbat. That's not the type of mistake we're talking about. The mistake that we're talking about here, where you're going to be patur, is a mistake where you're also b'mitzvah, tori b'mitzvah. There is some child that should have had a milah on Shabbat. Over here, because you took the baby that was supposed to get on Shabbat and did it on Friday already, there's nobody left that should get a brit milah on Shabbat. If there's nobody left to get a brit milah on Shabbat, then there's no mistake or tarud b'mitzvah to say that you're patur. When we say that your tarud b'mitzvah, or the mistake that you make, makes you patur, is only when there is a chance that if you did it right, you would have done a mitzvah. And here, there's no such scenario. So that's why in the ratio you're saying you're chayav, because Friday baby was the one you're going to do on Shabbat, but the Shabbat baby you did on Friday. Nothing left to do on Shabbat. You should have been sitting home relaxing on Shabbat because there was nothing to do. The fact that you went ahead and did a meal on Shabbat, that's a complete error. In judgment, not an asuk or tarbe mitzvah. You made a mistake. You did something on Shabbat that should not have been done. That's no different than any other mistake that you would make on Shabbat. Seifa, nitna Shabbat lidachot. The latter case in that Braita is a case where, yes, it's Shabbat Sunday. The baby on Sunday, when you do it on Shabbat, there's no reason to do it on Shabbat. It's too early. But on the other hand, there is a baby that should have gotten a milah on Shabbat. The fact that there's a baby that should have gotten a milah, then you can say Torah b'mitzvah. Because then you, there was a mitzvah that you were supposed to do, and yet there was an error here. So again, the error came in the context of a mitzvah. When the error comes in the context of a mitzvah, the Brayta says, Machloket, Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Yoshua. In the scenario, the ratio, where there is no mitzvah to do on Shabbat, then the error is not in the context of a mitzvah. It's just a plain error on Shabbat. That you're clearly chayav chatat. So that's why the Brayta offers an almost counterintuitive or opposite what we had assumed until now, because they changed the scenario slightly, and by doing that, you eliminate the mitzvah on Shabbat with regards to the Friday baby. Look, there are other babies in the world who are supposed to be docha Shabbat. Wait a minute. Wait, that's not a principle that you can rely on. Just because there are babies who get a Brit Milah on Shabbat, doesn't mean now that any error you make about Brit Milah on Shabbat is in the context of mitzvah. The case is it has to be this individual. This individual has to be osuk b'mitzvah. This individual has to be torid b'mitzvah. And that tirda has to bring him to the error of judgment. But it can't be just that you're involved in a mitzvah, quote-unquote, in general. That's not enough. We have to have it but that your actual scenario or the, the situation that you find yourself in involves a situation where there could have been a Brit Milan Shabbat, and a proper Brit Milan Shabbat. That makes you a Torah B'mitzvah. Then that error can derive from the mitzvah, and that's why you'd be patur. But if simply you make an error in judgment, even though Brit Milan has in some places, or someone else has a Brit Milan Shabbat, that doesn't give you any dispensation in terms of protecting you from a chadat. That's just a plain error in judgment, and that you will be chayav or held culpable for. Just an interesting concept of being Torah B'mitzvah, that if you're involved in what should be a mitzvah, that maybe there's possible dispensation for you to be patur from a chatat. The question that many ask about this Mishnah is that we've had before the issue of mekalkel b'shabbat. If you do a kilkul on Shabbat, then you're not chayav for Shabbat. And over here, whatever you're doing is a kilkul. Kilkul is you're cutting into the child, you're making a chabura, and you're not accomplishing a mitzvah. By not accomplishing a mitzvah, then... You should be not chayav by mikalkel, because there's no tzad tikkun over here. There's no tzad positive side. Now, you could argue in the case by Arab Shabbat, you took the Friday baby and did it on Shabbat, that there is a tikkun here. 
Because even though it's not the right time for the mitzvah, you're still accomplishing the mitzvah of Mila. Since you're accomplishing the mitzvah of Mila in the end, then maybe that's not called Mikalkel. Maybe. But in the case where you take the Sunday baby and do it on Shabbat, you're clearly being Mikalkel. You're making a cut into the baby for no apparent reason. There's no mitzvah. It's a chaburah without any accomplishment. So there are different ways to answer it. The most likely scenario is that this Gemara is a libid the Rabbi Shimon. It says this Gemara is a libid the Rabbi Shimon who says, Mekalkel Shabbat is chayav. If you say that, then Mekalkel, even if it is in a quote-unquote destructive manner, it's not a constructive type of melacha, you're still chayav. And so that's how you solve the problem over here. We'll discuss in, in, a, in a minute the Minchat Chinuch has a discussion with regards to back on Kuflam and Hay. And it's applicable here as well as, if you cut the Mila of a child before the eighth day, what have you done? If you go ahead and cut off the Orla on day seven or day six, have you done something wrong? So the possibility is, there's a mitzvah to say to do a Brit Mila on the eighth day. Now, by cutting it on the sixth day or the seventh day, you've now obviated the need to do the mitzvah on the eighth day. Is that an Isur? Is it an Isur essay? By cutting the Orla early, does that aviate in a mitzvah essay and is that an Isur? So the Milchot Chinuch argues that it's no different than something like Tzitzit. By Tzitzit, you put on a four-cornered baguette, then you're chayav to put on Tzitzit. You don't put on a four-cornered baguette, you're not chayav in Tzitzit. Similar to a Milah. You come to the eighth day, if there's an Orla, you're chayav to remove the Orla. If there's no Orla, you're not chayav to remove the Orla. That's a tafatam breed, but that might be misafik. It's not clear here. If you knew for sure there was no orla there, maybe that you wouldn't have to do a tafatam breed. Tafatam breed, that's a question in the poskim, whether a tafatam breed derives from the fact that it's a safik, and that's why we do it. Or, like you're suggesting, which is, is there a tafatam breed no matter what, even when there's no orla. The Rambam says it's all misafik, and then you wouldn't do it. Others, they'll say that you would even do a tafatam breed in a scenario where we know there's no orla for sure. But it wouldn't be docha shabbat. There's a lot of things that would therefore make it different. So the Minchat Chinuk says, what happens in a case where you have a four-cornered baguette, and then you cut one of the corners off before you put it on? So you make it into a three-cornered baguette. Now you round off one of the corners. Are you in violation of an Easter because you did that? Because you prevented yourself from having to be Chayav and Tzitzit? The answer is no. If you round out the fourth corner so you don't have to put on Tzitzit, you're not in violation of an Easter. You just didn't do the assay of the mitzvah tzitzit. You're not chayav in the assay because you obviated the need for the assay beforehand. Now the Gemara Menachot says that be'idna deritcha, at a time when Hashem is angry, He punishes even for that type of thing where you try to avoid an assay. But in general, there's no iser that you're in violation of. So therefore, the Minchot Chinuch argues that if someone does a brit milah early, he does it before the time that you're supposed to do it. There's no mitzvah accomplished. But on the other hand, you haven't violated any iser assay. Just because you removed the need for the assay does not mean you did something wrong. You just obviated the need for the essay like he did by Tzitzit. He says similar to now Minyan of the Yom HaChametz. He says if you clean out all the Chametz from your house before you get to Arab Pesach then maybe there's no mitzvah of Tashbitu. You don't have to eliminate. You don't have to do beer or Chametz if there is no Chametz. The Torah wants all the Chametz out of the house. If you have Chametz on Arab Pesach here this is the Torah tells you how to get rid of it. it gives you the process or the procedure for getting rid of it. But if you have no chametz, we're not going to force you to get rid of it. The Michal Kinoch back in Tashbitu says maybe you do have to. Brings up the possibility that maybe you have to buy chametz in order to do the mitzvah of Tashbitu. But here he says, like Tzitzit, like Brit Milah, all these mitzvot together have this common denominator. Which is the Torah gives you the procedure for doing such a mitzvah. If you have the mitzvah, do this procedure. If you don't have the mitzvah to do, then you don't have to engage in this procedure. Therefore, if you have the Orla cut off beforehand then there's nothing to do. He even says this, interesting enough, after the eighth day. If you do the milah on the wrong day afterwards, for instance, at night, there's no mitzvah of milah at night. What happens if you cut off the orla at night? 
Have you then done something wrong? Again, he says, no, there's no mitzvah at night. You cut off the orla, all you've done is prevented the need for the mitzvah to say the next morning. And that's okay. We just haven't done anything. So same too, maybe possible here by Shabbat. If you do the milah on Shabbat when it's not supposed to be done, that's not the zman for the milah. If that's not the zman for the milah, it might be that there is no more mitzvah to say on that day. And you're not accomplishing a mitzvah at all. All you're doing is obviating the need to do the essay the next day when you should have done it. But other than that, you're just taking away the orla, which now obviates you the need to have a milah done. Just an interesting discussion within the Minchot Chinuch about the nature of this mitzvah of removing the orla. I'm only explaining it now because it's going to come up in the next piece of the Gemara. We're going to have to discuss it in more in detail with regards to the brachot on milah. Right, that would come up if you have doctors or something that's done this only. Have you accomplished the mitzvah of milah? The answer, the way the Minchot Chinuch sets it up is yes, that you might have now removed the orla. You would eliminate the chiyuv karet. You haven't done the mitzvah of milah. But on the other hand, you've taken away the problem, which is the parade, and the need to remove the orla. So yes, that type of milah might help, also by gear. So they have a milah ahead of time, and the orla is clearly gone, then there's no mitzvah milah left. So then it might be gone entirely, the mitzvah milah. You also eliminate the karate, even though you didn't do the mitzvah milah, because you removed what causes the karate. What causes the karate is an orla. You don't have that anymore. So according to the way the Minchat Chinuch is setting it up, that might be helpful. Those types of milot, even though they're not the mitzvah milah, might be helpful. Nevertheless, we're choshish. Again, like I said before with the Shulchan Aruch, and we generally do hatafa damrit in all these situations because of the chashash of the orla, or chashash for some of those shitot that say you need a tafa dambri. But that may not be mi'ikar adin. That might only be mi'safek. Right, so now next mishnah. Katan, nimol l'shmona, l'tisha, l'asara, l'chadasar, l'bet. A katan can get a meal on the 8th day, ninth day, 10th day, 11th day, and 12th day, possibly. Lo pachot, velo yoter. Not less, not more. It's mishnah that we saw in Arachim. Ha-ketzad, what's the case here? Kir darko, a normal, regular situation, a baby, l'shmona. Gets it on the 8th day. That's how a baby gets his meal on the 8th day. No the benesh mashot. He's born benesh mashot on any day. Benesh Mashot on any day. Then Nimo Letet. Then he gets his Brit Milan the ninth day. So for instance, he's born on Sunday night going into Monday. Sunday night going into Monday. We're uncertain as to whether he's born on Sunday or on Monday. When we give him the Brit Milan, we're not going to give it the following Sunday, which would have been the eighth day. We're going to give it on Monday which would be in the ninth day. Now, technically, if he's really born on Sunday night when it was night, it's already Monday, so it's really his eighth day on Monday. But the, under the assumption that Benesh Mashot could either be Yom or Laila, possibly he was born on Sunday, and yet he will only get his Brit Milah on Monday, because we just don't know. Since we don't know what that period of time is, we're going to postpone the Milah to Monday. It might be his eighth day, it might be his ninth day. That's a situation where you get on the ninth day. Benesh Mashot shall El Shabbat. Benesh Mashot shall El Shabbat presents an additional problem, which is that the baby's born Friday night going into Shabbat. So in the scenario like we had before, we had it's being born Sunday night, and then it's going into Monday, all you do is give the Brit Milah on Monday. Either it's the eighth day or the ninth day, and you're fine. With Shabbat, that doesn't work. Because if Shabbat is the eighth day, then you're fine. Because then you're doing Milah Bizmana. Milah Bizmana is Docha et Shabbat, no problem. But if it is the ninth day, then you're not allowed to do it on Shabbat. So what you have to do now is postpone the Milah till Sunday. Here you have a possibility that the baby is born on Friday, and the Milah is happening on Sunday. If that's the case, the Milah is happening on the tenth day. So that's the scenario in which is Nimole Asara. You get a Milah on the tenth day. Yom Tov Lachar Shabbat. What happens if you have the first day of Sukkot on Sunday? So now this baby's born on Erev Shabbat, going into Shabbat, Benesh Mashot. So possibility that they're born Friday, possibility they're born on Shabbat. We don't know if it's Docha Shabbat. Therefore, we have to postpone it to after Shabbat. After Shabbat is Yom Tov. 
Yom Tov has the same din. Milish Lobazman is not Docha Yom Tov. So in that scenario, he could have been born on Friday, yet he won't get his Mila until Monday. So that's a scenario where Nimola Chadasar, you have 11 days. He was born Friday, but you don't do the Mila until Monday. Again, he could have been born on Shabbat. And he should have done it on Shabbat, but we don't know. So we don't know. So we could have been a scenario where he was born Friday and he gets his meal on Monday. Benjamin shall Rosh Hashanah. What happens if you have the two days of Rosh Hashanah after Shabbat? Where you have it on Sunday, Monday. It's Lola Durosh. So today in our calendar, you can't have Rosh Hashanah followed on Sunday. You could have the opposite scenario, correct. You could have a Thursday, Friday, Shabbat today where it would work out and have the same scenario because the same din applies to Yom Tov as applies to Shabbat. You can have this scenario. Therefore, you have a baby born on Arab Shabbat going into Shabbat. I'm not sure. Not sure what the story. Friday, Shabbat. If it's born on Shabbat, you would give the meal on Shabbat. We don't know. It could have been born on Friday. So it's not Docha Shabbat because it could be Mila Shlobizmana. Not Docha the first day of Rosh Hashanah. That's Sunday. Not Docha the second day of Rosh Hashanah. That's Monday. Mila is not until Tuesday, even though he could have been born on Friday. That's a scenario where Nimol Bishnei Masar. That he gets it on the 12th day. Could have been born Friday. Ends up having his Mila on Tuesday. The question that you can ask here is, what happened to any other Yom Tov? Why is Rosh Hashanah brought as the example in the Mishnah here, as opposed to Yom Tov Sheni Shel Goliot? Right, so that's the easy answer is, that's a Mishnah. And a Mishnah is in Eretz Yisrael, the Tanaim are in Eretz Yisrael. And the only scenario where you're going to have a two-day Yom Tov in Eretz Yisrael is Rosh Hashanah. That's the easy answer. But there are those who want to be midayek from here, that if it comes out in Chutz Laaretz, then you would make the Brit. If you had it on a Friday afternoon and it was the second day of Yom Tov, you're dealing with the Dindo right of Mila, Dindar Abonon of Yom Tov Sheni Shel Goliot, and that it should override. The same halach actually comes up in Avelut as well, or burying a person. When you have on like the eighth day of Pesach, someone is Niftar, and do you bury them on the eighth day of Pesach? It's a machloket in the poskim, but many of them were matir, and they're dead because they didn't have refrigeration, and body would, what? So they would take nachrim, they would have non-Jews do it, and it would go ahead and bury the body. Today with refrigeration, there's less issue, and many people postpone it until afterwards. And that also comes up with the terms of Avelut. Does the Avelut start on the eighth day of Pesach, or does it only start afterwards? So again, you have these uh, scenarios where the, the Yom Tov Shein Shal comes up. So there are those that want to suggest over here that the reason the Mishnah said Rosh Hashanah is because there there's a real Safek. And then with the Safek Doraita. Safek Doraita, then you wouldn't do Mila on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Any other Yom Tov, where it's Yom Tov Shein Shal that's clearly a Din Dirabanan. And Mila Doraita would override in that scenario. Or the easier answer again, that the Mishnah has written in Eretz Yisrael. And this is the only scenario we can come up with two days of Yom Tov. Katana Choleh. The time that is sick, you wait until he gets healthy before you give him a milah. If he had fever, and now the fever leaves, meaning that he becomes healthy, you give him full seven days to get healthy again, to make sure that he is healthy. You don't do the milah right away when he's healthy. You give him a seven-day window in order to ensure that's the case. Do we mean seven days means 27, 24-hour day periods? Or seven days, like the way that we do eight days, by the Mila. That makes it a Yom Kekulo. So if the baby's born on Shabbat, we give him the Mila on Shabbat, even though you don't have eight 24-hour periods between the time that the baby's born and the time that he gets the Mila. The Tani Ludov, Yom Havrato Ki Yom Hivaldo. That the day that he becomes healthy is the equivalent of the day that he's born. My love, what's the comparison for? Just like on the day that the baby's born, we won't require eight 24-hour periods in order to do the Mila. So too, we won't require 24-hour periods. So where's this low? 
that the day that he becomes healthy is even better than the day that he was born. made late. But there we don't require 24-hour periods. You need 24-hour periods. Seven 24-hour periods before we give a milah. Again, we give the child time. We don't rush to do the milah. We want to ensure that the milah is not dangerous, no sakana whatsoever. So if on the day that the baby's healthy, we give him this window of time in order to ensure that he's really healthy and able to have the milah done. Now next is the Mishnah Elu, in Tzitzin HaMakvim et HaMilah. Again, the Gemara before spoke about it as if we knew what the Tzitzin HaMakvim and no Makvim, because you assume you know the Mishnah Yot. So here's the Mishnah that explains to you what are the Tzitzin HaMakvim. Remember, these are pieces of skin, shreds of skin that are left over on the Milah. That are me'akev, the milah, means that you haven't had a proper milah. If you don't remove these, and you'd have to go back and remove them in order to have a proper milah. So what are those? We mentioned at the time when we did this, that basar chufa et rov atara. You have skin that encompasses the majority of the atara, of the crown. Ve'eno chel And if he has these, these pieces of skin, he can't eat shuma. Because in order to eat shuma, you need a milah. And this person doesn't have a milah. Fimaya bal basar. Now what happens if the person is obese, and therefore what it causes is the orla to look like it's pushed back over the atara. You have to fix that because of marit ayin. It's not because it's not a mila. It's not because you have an orla. It's just for people on the outside, it looks like you don't have a mila. So you fix it, not because there's a problem mila, but there's a problem of marit ayin. Mal velopara. If you do a mila, velopara. And you did not peel back that under a layer of skin, it's as if you don't have a milah. And that's almost obvious, as Tosavot says, that if any shreds of skin are left that cover the atara, then that's ma'kev the milah, then para is the same situation, because you're leaving over a piece or a layer of the skin that hasn't been removed. The way they do it today is that they clamp the orla forward, pull the skin that they want to cut, they pull it forward over the aver, and that's what the clamp, they use the clamp for, then they slice the orla, and then they do the priyaz that they peel back the underlying skin to give you the full mila. So you have to do both mila, which is the cutting of the orla, and priya, which is the peeling back of the layer that's under there. Now, in terms of what this basar is chofet rova gova, the rova of the atara, here the Gemara explains. I'm Rabbi Avina, I'm Rabbi Yirma, Baba, I'm Rabbi. Basar chofet rova gova shel atara. Doesn't just need to be skin in terms of circumference. The way we read the Mishnah, and the way the Mishnah sounds, is that you need the entire circumference, or the robe of the circumference, to have a skin on it, in order for it to be problematic. Over here, we have a statement in the name of Rav, that it doesn't just have to be the circumference, it can even be that length of the Atara. Meaning from the beginning of the Atara to the tip, if there is skin over the robe there, in one location, that would be enough to cause a problem for Mila. So it's not just a robe, when we talk about robe, means in the circumference, but even a robe... That goes from the tip to the end of the atara. In that area, if you have a robe piece of skin that covers that robe of that area, that's also problematic in terms of milah. What the atara is, actually is a machlok at Rishonim. Rashi over here says that the atara, or this area where you have to cut the orla, is from the point at which the aver begins to slope. It's really the way end of the aver. It's very, really the tip of the aver, which is the area where the aver is no longer a steady circumference, but begins to narrow its circumference. That's where the atara is. That's the 
area where you have to remove the orla. That's what Rashi says. Declines to the end of the tip. That's the way Rashi says. The Beit Yosef, on the other hand, says that uh, the Atara is further back. The Ra extends as far back as the Orla, an area that's much bigger than what Rashi indicates over here. And we, in general, are Choshesh for the Shita Beit Yosef. And therefore, we cut more than just the end. For Rashi, to be a very small area. But also, in terms of what's Ma'akiv the Mila, we're Choshesh for the Rashi Shita. We're Choshesh the Chumra for both Shita to cut further back. And for Rashi, that if you have pieces of skin that are left over towards the tip, for Rashi it would be a rove. So we're Choshesh for Shita Rashi. And therefore, we cut even those pieces of skin away to, in order to ensure that it's not Ma'akiv the Mila. If you have a young child who has extra skin in that area, it, here Rashi says, Shamein Va'av is fat, thick, meaning that there's additional skin, whether it's because of obesity or for any other reason. Therefore, it's causing a problem because it's covering over the milah that he has. How do we test to know whether he really had the orla removed or not? The Gemara says, If, when he is erect, it looks like he has a milah, the skin spreads away, and therefore it looks like he has a milah, then you don't have to do anything. If in, even in that scenario, it looks like his milah is covered, then you have to go back and cut again. Again, not for reasons of that there's no Mila, but simply for the Maratayan reasons. We see that if when he's erect, doesn't look like he has a Mila, in the end, they say almost the same thing, but what's the difference? The way they phrased it, one phrased it in the positive, one phrase in the negative. Shmuel says that if when he's erect, it looks like he has a mila, then you don't have to do anything. The Brightness says, if when he's erect, it looks like he doesn't have a mila, you have to do something. By framing it in the positive or the negative, what's the difference? The Magmar says, If you have this case where it looks, kind of looks like it, you're in a suffix, you have this in-betweener state. So in this in-betweener state, Shmuel makes the statement that if when it's erect, he looks like he's mahol, then you don't have to do anything. That means, in a scenario where it's uncertain, you would have to act. The only time that you're patur from acting is if, when he's erect, it looks like he's ma'ol. On the other hand, the brighter formulates it in the negative, which says that, if when he's erect, it looks like he doesn't have a mila, then you're obligated to do it. That would imply that, as long as it doesn't look like he doesn't have a meal, even if there's a subfake, you wouldn't have to do anything. But that in-between scenario is the difference, because which is the scenario where we give you the absolute certainty? Shmuel says, if you see there's a mila there, you don't have to act. That means in any other scenario, you have to act. And even in a case where there's a fake, it's nira venu nira, it's a halfway there. And the brightness says you only have to act when eno nira, when it's not look like you're mahol, then you have to act. That means that if it's quasi looks like you have a mila, then you're not going to have to act in that scenario, because you don't have the absolute scenario where you need to act, which is where it's eno mahol. So the difference between them, whether you formulate in the positive or negative, is in that in-between status. Now we have the Mar explained to us the procedure for a Brit Mila. Hamal Omer, the person who gives the Mila says, Asher Kedishano Vitsivano Al Mila. There are those that say that if the father himself does the Brit Mila, then you should say Lamul instead of Al Mila. Over here, we're assuming that someone else is doing the Mila, not the father. And therefore, you'd say, Alha Mila. Then, Avia Ben, 
The father of the child says, Omer Asher Kirishano Bibrito Shel Avram Avinu. To bring him into the Brit of Avram Avinu. It's interesting here is the order of the Brachot and exactly what's transpiring here. You have a Mohel that does the Milah. He's making a Brachal Maiseha Milah on the action of doing the Milah. Therefore, he makes the bracha of ala milah. That's the bracha of the mohel. Or, again, if the father does it, they would, he would make the bracha ala milah, possibly lamul, depending on the shitot of the rishonim. But then you have the father making a bracha. What is this bracha that the father is making? Why is the father making a bracha, which seems to be after the milah has already transpired? The mohel made the bracha ala milah. It sounds, or seems like he did the maisa milah. And then the father's making the bracha afterwards. Why would you make the bracha afterwards if it's post milah? So it does what, interestingly enough, says, Rabbeinu Shmuel Garis. Derash Bam was Goris. Avia ben Beresha. Vahadar Amau. He changes the order of the Gemara. He says it's out of order. Why would the father make a bracha after the milah? The father should be making the bracha before the milah. Never he changes the order of the Gemara and says the father makes the bracha first. And then the Mohel makes the bracha and they do the milah. It says, And that's what they do. This is the minog of the people at that time. The Lamed, this is a Gemara, we'll get to him, but when you ever add the Lamed in front, that has an indication of being in the future. So why would you make a bracha that indicates the future if it's already done? If the father's making the bracha after the fact, then le is not the right way to say it. Al then would be the right way to say it because that's something that's indicative of both in the future or something that already happened. But why would you make the bracha afterwards if you're saying le? That's the Rashbam's Ha'ara on this Gemara. And therefore he changes the gear. So he flips the gear around and he says that the father makes the bracha beforehand. Along comes the Rabbeinu Tam, who is the younger brother of the Rashbam. Rabbeinu Tam comes and puts everything back in place, and brings the Minog back to before the Rashbam. Says, no, that's not right. You do the Mila first, and then the father makes the bracha of Lachniso, Bibrito Shalavram. And he says that the word Le can mean both. Yeah, yes, generally Le means for the future, but it also has a meaning of being the Avar, and therefore he doesn't have a problem with it. But yet, why is he making the bracha afterwards? What happened to Ovir Le'asiatan? We have a general principle that when you make a bracha, you have to do it before the Maisa Mitzvah. Why is the father here making the bracha after the Maisa Mitzvah? Tosvot ends off, That's when the Mavarech himself is doing the Mitzvah, then you have to do it over the Asiatan. But if you're not doing the Mitzvah, then you don't have to do it before the Maisa, you can do it even after the fact. That's the way Tosafot leaves it. Zerbeinu Tam explains, therefore the procedure is, the Mohel makes the bracha of Alamila, does the Mila, and then the father says the bracha of Lachaniso Bibrito Shalamavavino, which is our practice today. There are many who want to suggest, including the Grizz, writes this in his Chidushim and the Gemara Nazir, and a famous Brisker Torah, it's also mentioned by the Minchasinuch as well, that maybe there are two mitzvot in Milah. The Milah does not involve a single mitzvah, but rather involves two mitzvot. One mitzvah is to do the Milah. The active mitzvah of cutting the Orla, which is the mitzvah of Milah. There's a second mitzvah here, which is to attain the status of being mahul. Be a person who is mahul. And that might differ from the Indian of Maisa Mitzvah. When we're talking about here, the Maisa Mitzvah, cutting off the Orla, that, you have to say the bracha over the Asiatan. That's the bracha that's made here by Amal Omer, Asher Kedishan Mitzvotav Mitzvano Ala Milah. That must be done prior to the Milah, number one. And number two is, it's about the Maisa Milah. Therefore, the person who's doing the Maisa makes the bracha, whether it's the Moa, whether it's the father. On the other hand, Nachniso Bibitosh Amar Vavino may not be about the Maisa Milah, 
but rather it might be on the attainment of the status of being a mahol, joining Klalishal, being a part of the covenant of the Brit. The covenant of the Brit that Abraham Avinu established with Hashem, to be a part of that, that might be what this bracha is about. In that case, it's only appropriate to say the racha after the mila is done. Until the mila is done, you haven't attained that status. Once you've attained the status, then the bracha is made. In addition, that is why the father makes the bracha and not the moel. Because it's the father's obligation to bring the child into the covenant. That's the father's obligation to bring him in. There's no maisa mitzvah associated with that. By doing that, by bifurcating the mitzvah of mila, therefore you can have the bracha of mila be beforehand, which is the maisa mitzvah, and the bracha of Abraham be afterwards, which is Alha Mahul. That person has attained the status of being a Mahul. And that's the explanation that they give to, again, help the Rabbeinu Tam, explain the Gemara, as well as Tosavot Shita about why one bracha is before, one bracha is afterwards, why one bracha is made by the Moa, and one bracha is made by the Father. It's all explained by this differentiation. This might have an impact on other areas in terms of, for instance, a child that has a Mila that's done prior to the eighth day. A child that has a Mila done prior to the eighth day, again, the Ramah says that he's a perfectly good Mila. Because once he hits the eighth day, he attains the status of being Mahul. And the Gris says, that's what the Ramah believes. The Ramah believes that mitzvah is not to cut the Mila. The mitzvah is to generate a person who is Mahul. And that mitzvah, even though technically you can only accomplish the Maisa mitzvah on the eighth day, but if you cut the Orla before the eighth day, when he reaches the eighth day and he doesn't have an Orla, you've done the mitzvah of Mila. You're done. The person is now Mahul. There are others who believe that there's only a Maisa Mila, but it has implications in terms of women, in terms of doing it the wrong sman. And now, Homdim, Shem Omrim, those that are staying there say, Shem Nichnas Lebrit, or there's an additional bracha that's said afterwards, which is the bracha that we say over the yayin. And this bracha is a shir kidesh yedid mi beten. Did you remember kadesh yedid your beloved one mi beten in utero? Here you have a major machloket about who this is speaking about. Rashi, look, Hashem Gidish Yedid mi beten Yitzchak Yitzchak Kari Yedid Yitzchak is the one who's called Yedid Hashem Asher. When Avram is commanded to do the Akedah, Yitzchak is called Asher Hafta Yichidacha. So there he's called the Yedid. He's the beloved one. So it's referring to Yitzchak Avinu who was Kidesh Yedid mi beten. That's what Rashi says. Tosafot disagrees. Omer Rabbeinu Tam Shu Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is the one who's called Yedid. Shinemar Meili Yedid Bebeiti. Pasuk from Yirmiyahu with the Gemara Darshan says referring to Avram Avinu. And if you do that, he says, then the Shloshet Avot are Niskarot. All three of the Avot are mentioned here. I'll do that in one second. And there's a third Shita, the Shita of the Oroch, who says that Asher Kiddush Yedid Mi Beten is referring to Yaakov Avinu, because he's the only one where you have a Nivua. That it was going to be the Kadosh. Rivka gets the voie that one of the children will be she gets a prediction that inside of her that there's one of the two children will be the carrier of the torch. Therefore, Yaakov is referred to as Shaykhidesh so you have a machloka here, whether this refers to Avram, Yitzchak, or Yaakov. This Kiddush Yedid Mi Beten. Then Chok Bishero Sam. The Chok, this is, what's the Chok? The Chok is the Brit Milah. Bishero Sam. He placed in his, their descendants. Bishero. Vitzetzav. And his offspring, Chatam Ba'ot Brit Kodesh. They have been sealed with the sign of the Brit Kodesh. So this is what Tosavot says here. If I say, Asher Kiddush Yedid Mi Beten is Avram Avinu, then Chok Bishero Sam. He put the chok in his offspring, refers to Yitzchak. Vitzetzav. 
Tzetzav, he says, refers to grandchildren. And so Tzetzav is Yaakov. And that way you mention all three of them in the bracha. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. That's the way the Tosafot learns. Others learn that Asher Kedesh did me better than Grashi, which is it's Yitzchak. Chok B'Sher Osam is referring to Yaakov. Vitzetzav, his offspring, references the Shvatim. The Orach was Asher Kedesh, did me better than first Yaakov. B'Sher Osam is referring to the Shvatim. And Tzetzav is to all the descendants afterwards. With this reward of doing the Brit Minah, that the God, the living God, says that doing the Milah will save those from going down to Gehinom. It will protect people from falling into Gehinom. Mean that the Brit Milah is one of those things that makes a person into a Jew, affords him that protection, because, here Rashi quotes the puzzle from Zechariah, Because of the Dam Brit, I pulled them out of the pit, and the pit being Gehinom. So that saves them from Gehinom. So upholding this mitzvah, and doing this mitzvah will save our offspring from ending up in Gehinom. Because of the Brit that we place into our flesh, Baruch Hashem, Habrit, the one that's Korait Habrit, one who establishes the covenant, the covenant between us and a Baruch that makes us into the Jewish nation. So here's the bracha that we make, Allah Brit Milah. Again, it's called the Chok, which is interesting. Some of the Mefarshim explain it. It's a Chok because there really is no explanation for why Brit Milah is Brit Milah. I mean, that we know it's a covenant, but why is this the covenant? Why is it done in this way? So it does have a nature of a Chok to it, and that's why it's called the Chok. So right, so Mivarech does not have to be either the father or the Mohel. It could be a third party. So it could be either of them, but it could be a third party. So that's what we have today, most times, that they give that kavod to someone to make this bracha, and then they make this bracha. Right, the one thing we did not address here, and it's also not addressed in the Gemara Menachot, but is discussed heavily in the Gemara Menachot, is whether there's a bracha of Shechianu. But there's also a bracha Shechianu made here. Minag in Eretz Yisrael is to make a birkat Shechianu at the Brit Milah. Minag in Chutz Laaretz is generally not to make a Shechianu at the Brit Milah. The argument stems from the fact that Shechianu is not written here in the Gemara. There is no Shechianu mentioned here. So those that say you don't make a Shekhiyanu, look, there's no bracha mentioned here. Why would you make a Shekhiyanu? It's not mentioned. In addition to that, they premise it on the Gumarin Ketubot that says, Tzara de Yunoka, that there's a pain of the baby, and therefore we don't make the bracha Simcha Bime'ono. We don't make the bracha Simcha Bime'ono at a Brit Milah because it's not appropriate in the face of the Tzara de Yunoka. So they extend that or extrapolate that to the Birchat Shekhiyanu and say you don't make a Shekhiyanu at Brit Milah. The other Rishonim argue against this. Everyone, they say there's no connection. Simcha b'me'ono is different than the bracha of Shechianu. Shechianu is on the performance of the mitzvah. Simcha b'me'ono is about the feeling that's generated there, that you have at a Sheva brachot versus what you have at a Brit Milah. There, Tzara de Yenoka plays a role, but not in a situation by the Brit Milah where you would make a Shechianu. That's number one. Number two is the fact that it's not found in the Gemara. There's no evidence of the fact that we don't make a bracha. There are numerous brachot that are not found in the Gemara that we make, and one of them that you make every week is L'Hadlik Ner Shel Shabbat which is not found in the Gemara, and yet, people make the bracha of Adlik Ner Shel Shabbat. So that's not evidence of the fact that it should not be said. And then lastly, it happens to be that the Gro is in favor of making this bracha of Shechianu, and that's why in Eretz Yisrael, because the Tamidei Agra came here, and many of Minagei Agra took hold in Eretz Yisrael, that's why the practice in general in Eretz Yisrael is to make the birkat Shechianu. There's some that want to say that it's only when the father does the Brit, so you make a Shechianu, not when it's the Moa that does the Brit. There are other permutations of when the Shechianu should be said in these scenarios. Practice in general in Eretz is to make the Birkat Shechianu.
So this is the equivalent of the Achniso Bibito Shalama Vavino. And over here you say we have a command to give Milat Agreement to Achtif Mayanu Dambrit and to take some blood to engage them in the covenant. This is one of the Rayot for those that say that the Brach should be afterwards because by a Ger you could never say it beforehand. Meaning that the ala mila, you make a bracha on doing the mila. But to make the bracha here, asher kidishanam tzavitzvanam molat gerim latif menem dambrit, that bracha is only relevant once he's a ger and he's a Jew. To make a bracha on a ger prior to being a Jew doesn't make sense to make this bracha. So that's one of the rayot that the bracha of lach should be after the fact. Because here, in the parallel structure by the ger, it must be after the fact. It couldn't be said before the fact because he wasn't a Jew before the fact. Because you risk the fact that he may not go through with the Gerut. He may not go through. If he doesn't go through, you made a bracha levatalas. So we always, always, by these situations, we make bracha afterwards. For instance, for the mikveh. The Ger makes his bracha on the mikveh after he goes into the mikveh, not before. Because he can't make the bracha beforehand. He's not a Jew beforehand. Shemalei dambrit no need gaimu shemayim varet. So if it wasn't for the covenant of the Brit, the heavens and earth would not be around. Shemalei dambrit no need gaimu shemayim varet. If it was not for my Brit, yomam v'layla, if it was not for my Brit, yomam v'layla, Mar brings this in other contexts as well. Meaning that they are important in terms of maintaining the world. The same bracha that you made by Ger, because the Ebed who gets a Mila is equivalent of some form of gay root over here. Again, this is another evidence of the fact that it's done after the fact and not before the fact, because you wouldn't make the bracha on the Ebed prior to becoming a Ger. Rabbi Lezomer, Tolimet Mishmeret Biyom Tov, Nodim Litluya Bishabat. You can hang the Mishmeret on Yom Tov, you can put up this filter on Yom Tov, and you can pour things through it on Shabbat. You're not allowed to hang it up on Yom Tov, and you can't pour through this filter on Shabbat. But you can pour through the filter on Yom Tov. One of the important differences has come up is that there is no Iser Borer on Yom Tov. Borer only applies on Shabbat, there's no Iser Borer on Yom Tov. Now the Gemara says, Hash the Rabbi Eliezer, earlier in the Gemara, which the Gemara will quote in one second, said you're not allowed to add on to an Olarai. He had a machlok with the Chachamim. If you have an Olarai on Shabbat, Rabbi Eliezer says you're not allowed to add on to an Olarai. The Chachamim say you can add on, you just can't make an Olarai. But here, Rabbi Eliezer is saying you can make an Olarai to start with. Placing the Mishmer, placing the filter over the bucket is making an OL. Putting a cover over something that has walls, it looks like you're making it into an OL. So that's an OLRI. How can you make an OLRI in Yom Tov? He doesn't even allow you to add on to an OLRI. Why would you make one? What, where was it that he said this? The Tanan. We had the mission early on. When you wanted to put on the shutters into the window. Only if it's tied and hanging are you allowed to put it in. Everybody agrees that you can't make a new O'Arai in Yom Tov and certainly not on Shabbat. The Machlokit is whether you can add on to an O'Arai. 
Shabbalezer will marry in Musafim Yom Tov. Vein Zerach Lamar B'Shabbat. You can't add on to an Oray in Yom Tov, and certainly not on Shabbat. Kamei Omeir Musafim B'Shabbat. Vein Zerach Lamar B'Yom Tov. Kamei say you can add on on Shabbat, and certainly you can add on on Yom Tov. So now, how does Rabbi Lezer in our mission say you can put on the filter on top of the barrel on Yom Tov as if you're making an Oray? So my says Rabbi Lezer serve like Rabbi Yehuda. He holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Tanya ain't been Yom Tov the Shabbat alochul nefesh bovad. Rabbi Yehuda matir ach machshire yochel nefesh. Yehuda is matir not only ochel nefesh. But even machshire ochel nefesh, something that allows you to do ochel nefesh. Over here, placing the filter, placing the sieve on top of the bucket, it creates an ORI, but it makes it now functional for you to do what you want on Yom Tov to do ochel nefesh, which is boder. That you're allowed to do on Yom Tov. So since you're allowed to do that, Rabbi Yudah says you're also allowed to do machshire ochel nefesh, similar to what Rabbi Yudah says. So where it says, Imer deshmin and leilor Rabbi machshir and shiev shalosotamir of Yom Tov. That's true, Rabbi Yehuda says. If you couldn't have done it before Yom Tov, we already discussed this with meat, cooking meat, certain things. If you can do it before Yom Tov, it'll be equally good. The quality will be the same. Then you're not allowed to do it on Yom Tov. You have to do it beforehand, like by the mustard seeds. You weren't allowed to filter the mustard seeds on Yom Tov. You weren't allowed to put the coal into the mustard seeds on Yom Tov, because if you did it beforehand, it would have been just as good. So there it doesn't docha Yom Tov. And Rabbi Yehuda says the same thing. Machshir nefesh would only be docha if Yev Shalosot of Yom Tov. Over here, you could have put the filter on the bucket beforehand. He says, the Rabbi Lezer adifa mi Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Lezer holds like Rabbi Yehuda, but even better than Rabbi Yehuda. He holds like Rabbi Yehuda, that makshir el nefesh ardoche yom tov. But not only that, even when you could have done them beforehand. Even when you could have done them beforehand, you could still do them afterwards. Those who ask, wait a minute. Rabbi Yehuda has an explicit drusha from the psukim about this. How does Rabbi Lezer ever get out of that? So, Tosun in the end narrows Rabbi Lezer to Dine Durabonon. He only says this in Dine Durabana, not in Dine Doraita, and here's a Dine Durabana. We're talking about an Olarai. Olarai is only Asur because of Isur Durabanan. There, we don't make that differentiation between whether you could have done it before and not done it before. That's where Rabbi Lezer says it. But in Din Doraita, he would agree to Rabbi Huda that if you had to cook something and you had the choice, if you could have done it beforehand, it would be equally good on Yom Tov, that we tell you to do it beforehand and not do it on Yom Tov. We won't allow you to violate an Isur Doraita on Yom Tov for that reason.